Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.holyspiritinteractive.org or www.anilarana.com today. want to talk about tonight is having a grateful heart. I know if I were to ask any of you if you're grateful to God, I'm pretty sure you could come up with at least a dozen reasons to be grateful to Him. Would you? Shall we check it out before we begin? I want you to close your eyes for a minute, okay? Just a minute. And as you close your eyes, I want you to list five in your mind, five of the things that you're most grateful to God for this year. Only five. But think about it carefully and tell God thank you for those things. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are grateful for your spouses. Some of you are grateful for your children. Some of you are grateful for your jobs. Some of you might even be grateful for these meetings we have once a week. Some of us got a huge bonus, a huge increment, and we're grateful to God for that. Some of us got a brand new car, or maybe a brand new bike, and we're grateful to God for that. Take the top five. Top five things that if God were here, and you were to go up to him and say, thank you for these five things, what would you choose to thank him for? And now that all of you have thought of something, you can open your eyes and look at me again. Anyone fell asleep in that minute? No, I see everybody looking wide awake. I see everybody smiling, except those who are still thinking about what they need to thank God for, like Mary here. (laughs) Before I start uh, the talk today, I'm going to tell you uh, two stories. One's a joke and one's a story from the Bible. First, the joke. There was a woman who was going home after a long, hard day. And on the way home, she decided to stop by at the supermarket and shop for groceries. But she couldn't find parking. She kind of went round and round and round. And by the eighth round, she was tired. So she said, let me say a prayer. So she prayed and said, God, If you listen to my prayer and give me parking, I'll go for HSI prayer meetings every Wednesday without fail. And the moment she said that, right in front of the supermarket, at the very door, a car started to pull out. And she said, never mind God, I found a parking. Let me tell you another story, and this one is from the Bible. So I'm going to have to go to the Bible for that. And I'm going to read to you 
Um, this story that you also possibly know, just like that joke I just told you. It's a story of Jesus cleansing 10 lepers. Do you know that? Good. It's from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, go, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This, my brothers and sisters, is the gospel of the Lord. It's a lovely story. It is. And as I told you, whenever you read a story or are told a story from the Bible, you need to get into it. So I want you to imagine you're here in the story, perhaps a bystander. Jesus is passing through this village. And as he's passing through this village, 10 lepers come to see him. Now, presumably, there's a leper colony in the vicinity. Or maybe this village itself is a leper colony, whichever way it is. Ten men who are lepers come and approach Jesus. Now in these days, there is a cure for leprosy. It's also called Hansen's disease. But 2,000 years ago, there was no cure and lepers were outcasts. They were shunned by everybody. One can just picture a leper walking on the road and everybody kind of moving away. Nobody said hello to them. Nobody shook their hand. Nobody kissed them. Nobody gave them a huggy-buggy. Nobody loved them. They were outcasts. Now these lepers have possibly heard about Jesus. And they've also heard about these wonderful miracles that Jesus was working in the lives of people. Healing the sick, making the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. So they have hope in their hearts that if they go to Jesus and ask him to heal them, they too might be healed. But they don't want to come close because they know. They're very afraid that if they come near to Jesus, he might tell them to go away too. So from a distance, 10 lepers, standing with hope in their hearts, cry out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. And then Jesus does something very strange. He doesn't ask them, do you believe, like he's done a hundred times before. He doesn't say, go, your faith has made you well, like he's also said a hundred times before. He doesn't put their hand, his hand on their heads. He doesn't take some mud, spit into it and apply it over them. He doesn't do anything. He says, go to the priests and show them yourselves. 
Now lepers who got cured in those days, before they could mingle again in society, had to show themselves to a priest and have the priest declare them clean. So when they hear this, they believe in their hearts that they're healed even though there's no sign of it yet. And showing tremendous faith, they turn around and walk towards the priests. And as they turn around and walk, they are healed. Now forget about being a bystander. Forget about being a bystander. Imagine you're one of the lepers. And the story has tremendous relevance to all of us here because sometimes we are like the lepers in the story. So imagine you're one of them. And you suddenly look at yourself and you're healed. Now one among your number is ecstatic. I am healed, I am healed, praise you Lord. You know I heard Leslie saying to you, say hallelujah louder and your hallelujah louder was about uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah louder, say it louder. Hallelujah. This leper had no such inhibitions. Top of his voice, hallelujah Lord. And he ran to Jesus, prostrated himself, forgot that he was an outcast all this time, forgot Jesus was a Jew, he was a Samaritan. He just said, Jesus, thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing me. You're awesome. I'm so happy. And he kept jumping about like, like me. And Jesus said to him, where are the other nine? I don't know what's going on in the leper's mind. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's been healed. That's enough for him. But Jesus continues and says, weren't they healed as well? Why are you the only foreigner, the only outsider from this group of people who has come back to thank me? They were Jews. They should have come back. But here's a Samaritan who has come back. I don't care about this leper really. I'm more interested in the other nine. Because I wonder why they didn't go to thank Jesus. Do you wonder? Did you ever think about it? I know all of you have heard the story before you said so. Did you ever wonder why these nine didn't go back? I'll tell you. Because over the last 10 years, I have seen miracles by the thousands. People being healed, people being delivered, people being blessed. But there's hardly a handful who turn back to say thank you. And I'll tell you the reasons why. The first leper probably said, let me wait and see if this cure is real. Sound familiar? The second leper probably said, I've been healed, but who knows the leprosy might come back. So let me wait for a few days. Sound familiar? The third person said, oh, I never had leprosy in the first place. Sounds familiar? The fourth person, oh, I was going to be healed anyway. The fifth person said, oh, I will thank Jesus. You know, the next time I meet him, I'll bump into him somewhere and I'll say thank you to him. Now I need to go back? No, forget about it. The sixth leper, oh, I'll go to the priest and the priest will declare me clean and I will give thanks to the priest and God. Why do I need to give thanks to this man? Sound familiar? 
Leper number seven, oh, it was my faith that healed me. I believed that I was going to be healed, so I was healed. It has nothing to do with him. It is all to do with me. Sound familiar? Eighth one said, I'm obedient. He told me to go and show myself to the priest. He didn't say go and come back. So I'm going to the priest. I'm doing what he said. Sound familiar? The ninth one is the one I really want to talk about because his excuse is probably one that we all have. He took the healing for granted. I mean, I'm a Jew. I'm a descendant of Abraham. It is my right to be healed. And we very often, Christians, believe the same thing. We believe in Jesus. We should be blessed because we have accepted Jesus. I mean, we're doing him such a big favor. Isn't that true? We'll find out in just a minute. But for that, one more story. One day Jesus was invited to Pharisee's house for dinner. You'll find this in Luke 7. There was a sinful woman, a sinful woman, possibly a prostitute, who heard that Jesus was at this man's house and she gatecrashed. She basically just barged in, saw Jesus there, when prostrated herself at his feet and started weeping. Her tears rolled down her cheeks and fell on Jesus' feet and she washed them with her hair. Then she took some ointment, some expensive ointment that she had in her purse and started applying it on her feet. Now the Pharisee is watching whatever is happening and he's not very happy. He said, if this man was really a prophet, then he would know that the woman in front of him is a sinner. And Jesus, of course, knows everything and he knew what this man was thinking. And he said, Simon, the Pharisee's name was Simon. He said, Simon, can I say something to you? And Simon said, yes, please. And Jesus said there was a money lender and two men owed him money. One owed him $50, the other owed him $5,000. Neither could pay the moneylender back, but the moneylender forgave both of them their debts. Tell me, Simon, which of them would love the moneylender more? Let me ask you, which of them? Say it loudly, don't be afraid. The one who owed more. Exactly. And Jesus said to Simon, you said correctly, the one who is forgiven more loves more. He said, you know, I came to your house and you didn't wash my feet with water. But this woman has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. I came into your house and you did not give me a kiss. But this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. I came into your house and you gave me no oil for my head. But this woman has applied ointment on my feet. Truly I tell you, Simon. Truly I tell you, my brothers and sisters. He or she who has been forgiven a lot loves a lot. And there comes the sense of gratitude. To understand the debt of gratitude we need to have to our God. And 
I want to tell you something, and this is going to shock you. When we started this talk, I gave you one minute to list the five most important things you had to thank God for. And I'll tell you what you thanked God for. You thank God for your house. You thank God for your car. You thank God for your spouse. You thank God for your family. You thank God for your bonus. You thank God for your promotion. You thank God for just about everything. But you didn't thank God for forgiving you. I know. I proved it day before yesterday. When I gave this talk in Sharjah, I gave papers and pens to everybody. And I said, write down the top five things you need to be grateful to God for. And then at the end of it, I took 10 papers at random and I read the Thanksgiving notes that were there. And they thanked God for just about everything except for forgiveness. Why? Because we kind of take it for granted. All of us do. All of us do. And therein lies the problem with us. We can't really love God unless we understand how much he loves us. Is everybody with me? I make you feel bad very often, no? <laughs> I do it with a good heart, you know that? You know I mean well. And the reason I do it is because I want all of us to develop an attitude of gratitude. Not once in a while, not when it's Thanksgiving Day, not when it's time for us to make a prayer, but an attitude of gratitude that is a part of our lifestyle. And I'll give you five reasons, um, four reasons that will actually benefit you, okay? First, an attitude of gratitude brings about great contentment. What does it bring about? How many of you are happy now? Really, genuinely happy? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. It's easy to say I'm happy. But most of us are not. And I'll tell you why we're not happy. We're not happy because we don't have the things we believe we should have. And we think, if I get this, or if this happens in my life, then I will be happy. But I want to tell you a fact of life. If you're not happy with what you have, you will never be happy with what you get. Can I repeat that? If you're not happy with what you have, you will never be happy with what you get. Because the moment that condition is fulfilled, you're going to have more conditions that come around it. Guaranteed. I remember um, last year, about this time, I started looking for a motorcycle to buy. And the reason I wanted a motorcycle is because I couldn't afford a car and because I got tired of getting stuck in traffic jams. So I said a motorcycle would basically suit my purpose. But I wanted a motorcycle that would keep me safe on the road. You know, it couldn't make somebody come and knock me off because, you know, car drivers, they see a motorcycle and they feel like going and bumping against them. You do? No? Well, I used to. So I said maybe if I have a Harley Davidson, it would kind of make me a little safe because they show me a little respect on the road and it'll keep me safe. So I bought a Harley, a very cheap Harley. It costs uh, less than a, a Toyota Yaris. A lot of people think they're frightfully expensive. No, they're not. Not the one I bought anyway. But as I was leaving the showroom, the salesman had sold me the motorcycle told me that my motorcycle was like a woman. 
He said, you take this motorcycle home and for the rest of your life, you will be paying through your nose. And I didn't understand what he meant. And besides, I didn't understand his experience with women either. Yeah, women are like that. They make you spend through your nose. Where are the men? Rubbish. The woman is saying rubbish. Where is your husband? Let me ask him. <laughs> Joseph? <laughs> don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> but anyway, back to my motorcycle. I went home and a little while later, I figured out what he meant. Because every single Harley Davidson owner in the world starts to modify the motorcycle that he's bought. They kind of change their handlebars. They put saddlebags on the, on the motorcycle. They start putting exhaust pipes as if the noise the motorcycle makes in the beginning is not enough. They need to make it noisier. And they keep adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff. Never happy until their motorcycle looks like, I don't know what. You see a Harley on the road? It's gone home one way and it looks totally different when you see it on the road. Okay. And I said, this is not what I bought my motorcycle for. I bought my motorcycle to take me from one place to another. I don't need saddlebags. I don't need new exhaust pipes. I don't need a different handlebar. My motorcycle is fine. It got two wheels. It takes me to where I want to go. I am content with what I have. But imagine if I had not been content. I would have continued adding and adding and adding. Then I'd go for a ride with the other motorcycle bikers, see what they had, say, that is really cool. I want that too. And never been happy. Are you with me? How many of you subscribe to special offers from Carrefour or Souk or Groupon or Waisada? Every day you will get an email in your email box. Special deals, special offers. And you will click on them because they are special deals, special offers. You will see something you never wanted, but because it's a special offer, you want to buy it. Yes or no? Yes. And you think, okay, if I buy that, it will make me happy until the next day comes and the next mail comes in your email box and you click on that offer and you say, ah, now that is something that will make me happy. You're with me, right? You will never be happy unless you are content with what you have. And when you're grateful to God for what you have, it creates that sense of peace within you. Hey, I got this. I'm happy with it. I was sitting at the back of this hall today and I didn't see too many people over here. And I started saying, you know, God, why aren't there people here? And he whispered in my ear, remember what you're going to preach to the people? Be content with what you have. And I relaxed the next moment and I said, Lord, it doesn't matter. Even if there are three people there, I'm happy. And I'm happy. I want to tell you a story. Uh, this happened to me. The three people bit happened to me in Lebanon a few years ago. I have been quite famous in Lebanon at uh, the time. You know, I was on TV and millions of people had heard me and I couldn't walk on the streets quite literally without somebody coming and asking me to pray for them. It was very funny. So one day we got this invitation to this church somewhere in the suburbs and I expected it to be packed. We walked into this church, me and my team. We had a team of about eight people. Uh, at the time and there was not a single person not a single person in the church and I found out later no announcements had been made no one had been told about the program I went to the front of the church and I knelt down and my dear sister Mary that's her there the one who wasn't smiling before but she's smiling now she came to me and said Anil should we cancel there's only one person here 
And I remembered a promise I'd made to God many, many years ago. And the promise was simply this. Lord, I will preach even to one person if that's all there is. And I said, Mary, no, we're not canceling anything. I'm going to preach. By the time I started, there were two more people. One of them was the parish priest of that particular church. And I delivered what is the best sermon I've ever given to three people. At the end of the talk, the priest came forward and said, Anil, I know you were very disappointed, but not many people have the privilege of preaching to a bishop and two priests. <laughs> And this bishop opened the doors the next time. He said, I've never heard a sermon like this from anyone before. And um, he was really such an asset to us. But can you imagine what would have happened if I had canceled? If I said, Lord, first you send me 1,000 people, then I will preach. You know what I'm saying? So be content with what you have. And you can learn a few things from Paul. You know Paul? Yeah, he's this guy who persecuted Christians until one day he became a Christian himself and what happened after that? He said, I think it was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. But despite all of this, you know, he went through hardships like you will not imagine. He discovered the secret for contentment. And I want to read it to you. It's from Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And... It's mana in these words, truly. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Can I repeat it for you? Mana, okay? And I want us to be able to say these things because I want us to be happy. Honestly, it's the only thing I really want all of us to have is to constantly have a smile on our faces, constantly be in good cheer, constantly be at peace. And we can never be at peace if we're constantly wanting things. If you say, if this happens in my life, if this changes in my life, if I get this in my life, the moment you put that if, you're never ever going to be happy. But if you're happy, if you're content with what you have and you're grateful to God for it, you'll be in peace all your lives. So listen to this. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. There are times this man has not had food to eat. There are times this man has struggled. There are times this man has been beaten. There are times this man has been persecuted. But yet he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let me know. God will send a hamper to your house before this night is over. And if he doesn't have a place to stay, let me know. You can live with me. Where's my wife? <laughs> I'll check with her first, but I'm sure she'll say okay. Whatever you have is enough 
And if you thank God for what you have, everything extra that you get is a bonus. And that will give you a cause for more happiness, but it shouldn't make us greedy because then the same problem will happen again. Just be content. Blessings flow, be content. And even when blessings don't flow, be content. Because in that is a secret of joy. And that brings me to point number two. An attitude of gratitude develops joy. Why? Hey, I got what I want. I'm happy with what I want. I'm thankful to God for what I have. And I'm joyful. I wake up in the morning and I thank God for my house. I thank God for my health. I thank God for my life. I thank God for him. I thank God for forgiving me. I thank God for my family. I thank God for my friends. Hey, all this is cool, man. Isn't it? Otherwise, you say, God, first you bless me, first you give me this, then I will thank you. Hey, come on. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be joyful. You're going to be grouchy. Like most of you are. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're all joyful people. You're all grateful people, right? But even if things are not going well in your lives, you think things are perfect in my life? Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I go through struggles. I have people who gossip. I have people who slander. And sometimes they'll want to let me know what people are saying and they'll come and tell me. And I don't know what they expect me to say. uh, But it upsets me. But then I'm grateful to God for that also because it gives me an opportunity to test my love and my patience. You understand me? Sometimes things don't go well in ministry. I make mistakes. This is a huge ministry we're running. We're running it in over a dozen countries around the world, ministering to thousands of people. And sometimes we make mistakes. The ministry is founded on mistakes. And what happens when someone points out a mistake to me? I know, thank you for that, Lord. Because if not for this mistake, I wouldn't know how to correct it. Sometimes there's persecution. Sometimes there's struggle, struggle with the world. And here also is an opportunity. Why? Because I thank God for the grace that he's going to give me to overcome this struggle, this temptation. I remember the apostles. One day they were caught because of healing somebody who needed healing. And in reward for healing this person, they were beaten up. Can you imagine? You heal somebody and then some others catch you and beat you up and say, don't heal anybody else. But they left this place, scripture says, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy for suffering for their Lord. And that's what happens to me also. Whenever I go through something bad, I thank God. So what happens? This attitude of gratitude, when you thank God, even in the middle of bad circumstances, creates a joy in you. Are you getting me? So whatever rubbish you're going through in your life, and you are going through rubbish, we discovered that last week, right? If you're living in this world, you are going to go through struggles, you are going to go through trials, you are going to go through suffering. Yes? Be grateful to God and you will be joyful instead of sorrowful. You will be happy instead of unhappy. And then an attitude of gratitude. This is the third point. It creates sharing. You know, I've become a gardener. You remember the chili plant I showed you a few months ago? Well, now I don't just grow chilies. I grow herbs. I grow flowers. I got thyme growing, marjoram growing. I got daffodils growing. um, All kinds of stuff growing. And, you know, when you kind of growing plants, you try to figure out how to make them grow fast. 
and I discovered a fascinating fact about plants. If you have two trees and their roots are touching, even if the trees are of a different species, one tree will feed another. If one tree is getting sunlight, if one tree is getting nutrients, if one tree is getting water and the other tree is not, this tree that's getting it automatically shares what it receives with others. Have you ever seen a forest? You see all the trees are shooting for the sky. Why? Because their roots are touching. Now I find it tragic that Christians are supposed to be one body, are so selfish about what they have. And why are they selfish? Because they think what is mine belongs to me. And how does that come about? Because we think we've got it all. But when you have an attitude of gratitude and you understand that it is God who's blessing you, then what do you do? The moment you have a little excess, so even if you don't have excess, you see somebody struggling, you will say, yeah, take, have a little of this. I wasn't joking when I offered my house to you. If you don't have a place to stay, come and live with me. You're welcome anytime. We should be like that. All of us should be like that. When we see somebody in pain, when we see somebody in despair, when we see somebody without sunlight, without water, without nutrients, we kind of reach out our branches to the person, touch the person, and share what we have. And what happens? We're happy. Trust me, we're happy. You know how much joy it brings me when I'm able to do something for somebody? I don't make a big noise about it because I don't see the point of that, but in my heart, I feel glad that I was helpful to somebody. And here's the thing, and I think I spoke about this a few weeks ago. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, spilling over, will be poured out into your lap for the measure you give will be the measure given unto you. So, share. An attitude of gratitude makes us share because we're grateful to God for the blessings. And if I've been blessed more than somebody else, I feel like sharing what I've been given. Why? Because when I share, I get more. The motivation. We all need motivation, right? And finally, the fourth point, an attitude of gratitude increases faith. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all this will be given to you. I've never seen a Christian starving. Never. I've never seen a Christian homeless. Have you? No, I've not. I've not. And if you, like I said, if you do see someone like that, bring them to my notice. I've never seen. Why? Because God says, when you seek my kingdom and my righteousness, I will give you everything. And when you seek God's kingdom and righteousness, you understand what is important. And this is where you come to, he who has been forgiven a lot, loves a lot. And you know what you discover when you discover the kingdom of righteousness? You discover you're going to heaven. You discover that after this horrible, terrible life on earth is over, we're all going to heaven. Where there's not going to be a teardrop, there's only going to be happiness, there's only going to be joy. So when you think of that, what happens? You just have happiness within you. And anything can go wrong in your life, but it doesn't perturb you because I know my future is sealed. I am going to heaven. And that is when my faith increases because... If I know I'm going to heaven, then what do I care about anything here or not? 
All I care about is getting to know God. All I care about is living near to God. All I care about is learning about this wonderful God that I have. And the more I learn about him, the more I love him. And the more I love him, the more I trust him. And the more I trust him, the more he starts to reward me. Why? Because the one thing that God loves to see is faith. Because he says, according to your faith, it shall be done to you. So when you are grateful to God, what does he do? He continues to bless because God loves a generous giver. He loves a generous heart. Now because I thanked him sitting at the back for the crowd that I have today, I know without a shred of doubt in my mind that next week he's going to double the crowd. <clears throat> and how do I know that? Because you're going to bring them. <laughs> Are you learning good stuff here? <clears throat> Are you being blessed here? Are you going away happy here? Are you getting food to eat here? A lot of good things. Thank God for all of them. Thank God for all of them. And what I'd like to do before I end here is to invite a couple of you to thank God. Uh, to thank God for uh, what he has done in your life. Whether it is good or bad, um, there is reason to thank God. So, any, any one or two people? Anyone here? Nobody here? Come, come. In one minute or less, please. What's your name? <clears throat> My name is Faisal. First of all, I thank Jesus for being Christian and to have him in my life. This is the major thing that I thank Jesus for. <clears throat> it's because I thank Jesus because through him I can do everything. Because he is the one who is giving me strength. Hi, good evening. My name is Margaret Nazareth. And uh, this testimony I've been wanting to share for quite some time. Uh, this is particularly of last year. Uh, my daughter received her first Holy Communion. Uh, and uh, we didn't have any celebrations here in Dubai since all our family members are back in Bombay. So we decided that we would have uh, a get-together back in Bombay. And we did a budgeting over here and we decided that, you know, we would plan it there. But when we went over there, the cost of the party, so to say, was almost three times what we decided. So we were in a fix. Uh, we should have it or not have it. And God is kind. He just arranged. We didn't decide the place. We didn't decide anything. Just a week before we could come back to Bombay, we put everything in place. We got all our family members together and we had a wonderful celebration. So all glory to God. All praise to God. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, given my testimony here before, but I've got a long list of things to thank God for. But I'll keep it short. Uh, first of all, you know, thank you, Jesus, for accepting for the person who I am. Uh, uh, thank you for bringing Brother Anil in my life, Brother Manjula in my life. Thank you for introducing me to HSI, for all the blessings that he's poured upon me. Thank you for my jobs, uh, for forgiving me. I won't forget that. Blessing all our debts, for clearing all our debts. Um, and the most recent one, he's healed my uh, nephew from eczema. Uh, and it's, it's published in the Pathfinder today, I saw that. And he was suffering from eczema from the time, from the time he was born. He's three years old now. Um, and um, he, he had acute case of eczema, he, he, nothing could gel down his, you know, throat, uh, milk, eggs, wheat, and you name it, and imagine a growing child, and he can't get the basic, uh, basic food that is required for growth. 
my sister had faith in God. She met Brother Anil. She started coming to HSR. She started thanking God for all the blessings that she had. She was blessed with a second child. He was diagnosed with eczema as well. She never gave up her faith. She went to the Blessed Sacrament. She just prayed and prayed. She kept thanking God. All thank and praise to God. When we, went, when we were at the retreat uh, here at Jabal Ali for, uh, when, Brother Wal, uh, when Father Walurun was here, um, he called out, you know, Kyle's name. And then uh, deep down in our hearts, I was there as well, deep down in our hearts as we were praying, we knew that God has healed him. Brother Anil kept telling us that he is healed, have faith, believe, give your testimony. But, that, you know, that little element of doubt was always there. Uh, but as we were praying that day, we knew that Kyle is healed and thank you know, thank God, glory to God and praise to God. He's all healed today. He can have every allergic stuff. Just last week, my sister gave him some nuts and he was highly allergic to nuts sometime back. And doctor said, you know, nuts are life-threatening. Praise God and thank God. He's hale and hearty today. And, you know, I, I can't stop thanking God for all the miracles that he continues to work in our lives. Thank you. You know what will make me so happy? The next time I ask uh, someone to volunteer to thank God, every single person stands up here. Come on, because every single one of us has to have some testimony to share, even if it is thank you, God, for this day. Because you put your hand up first, come, quickly, one minute. Thank you. I am so happy. Most of you must be knowing me. My name is Vienna Roderick. I have a lot of things to forget, pray and thank God for, especially in this year. Uh, he has... Uh, saved my husband from a very serious accident in the beginning of the year only. That's in the first week of Jan. And my mother has been ailing for quite some time, but I thank and praise God for giving her a peaceful death in the month of February. I also thank and praise God for giving me a job, which is as per my convenience and timings wise, after a gap of three years. I also would like to thank God for getting me through a health issue. Maybe I'll testify someday later. And also for blessing us with a house. I, I always wanted to have a house close to my family. And he, in this year, God has blessed us with a house in Mahim. And I, I'm, I'm sorry for not thanking God for forgiving me as Brother Neil listed. And I thank and praise God for forgiving me and accepting me as I am. Thank you. Thank you. 